This is Michelle Dawes Burt of Real Chicks Rock. And this is RCR Presents Real Discussions, the podcast. Enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to Real Chicks Rock Presents Real Discussions. I'm your host for today, Michelle Dosberg. And as always, I'm super excited. Yes, I am because I got a very special guest that's going to be joining us here in just a second. But for all of the new listeners and people that are watching, first of all, we want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me give you a little background about what Real Chicks Rock is all about. It's all about the empowerment of women. And we do it through various different ways. We do it through public speaking and mentoring through community service. And we do it through this particular platform, which is where we have an opportunity to talk about issues that impact us as women and the, and the people that love us. And today we have a little softer conversation because, you know, we always talk about things that are challenging, that puts us in different situations and obstacles that we have to overcome. But I always like the opportunity to talk to creative people um, today is no different, and for those of you that know me, know that I have such a love for house music. It's really, really bad. How bad I love house music. And so when I have an opportunity to talk to people that I feel and know are doing legendary work, then I'm super honored in doing that. So today is no different. Right. That's how you start off the year. You come in with a big bang, and you bring in one of the big guns, and you talk and you have a conversation with none other than Terry Hunter. Terry, hey, 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 how are you? I'm good. Happy New Year. Oh man, Happy New Year to you, to you too. Thank Thanks you. for taking some time to join us today. Absolutely, I'm, I'm honored to be on the show. Oh man, thank you so much. So, where first of all, where are you right now? Because you are, you could be anywhere at any time. Right. Where are you home? No, I'm in Mars right now, actually. I'm out of space. No. <laughs> I was almost believing you for a minute. Where, where are you yes, home? I'm at home? And where's I'm home? Where's home? Where is, where's home, Terry? Is that where you were? No, Chi Town. The Chi Town. The Is that where you were born and raised? Absolutely. Born and raised. Mm, mm. So, in your mind, that's one of the best cities in the world, right? You know, I would have to say I have been to a lot of cities. Uh, I've traveled all over the world, and I would have to say yes. You'd have to say yes, yes, yes. Terry, help help us understand a little bit. What was your neighborhood like as a kid growing up in Chicago? Um, For those times, I would say it was pretty nice, but it could be really rough. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was different from back in the day. Um, it was funny, I did an interview not too long ago where someone asked me a um, similar question, mm-hmm. and if you was not entertained as a kid, that was a lot of stuff that you can get into. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, gangs and the wrong affiliation with people. So, you know, it wasn't like my neighborhood was the worst neighborhood in the world, but it definitely was the best, and there was a lot of wrong things that you can get into. So born and raised on the south side of Chicago, you know, you had a choice to either play basketball or some kind of sports or, unfortunately, gang bang. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't want that. We don't want that. So what So what did you do to stay away from that type of heat or that type of uh, attention? 
You really want to know? Uh, a little bit. Just give me the highlights. Give me the clean version, Terry. So, I mean, so as, as, as a young kid, I was, uh, my mother had a really job. Mm-hmm. And um, my grandparents kind of raised me. Okay. So, as a small kid, I would say between 10 and 13, I was going between my mom's and um, my grandma's house. But at that time, as I said, you know, Hanging with the wrong crowd, got into some trouble. Okay. And my grandparents basically stepped in and was like, that's it, you're coming with us. Okay, okay. Full time. So I left the situation that I was at, staying with my mother at the time, and just moved that my grandparents raised me from, say, sixth, seventh grade on. Okay. And um, it went from there. That's actually how I got into music. Okay, and, and with, let's talk about that. So being with your mom and then being with your grandparents. Tell us a little bit about the music that your family listened to during that time when you were that age. Absolutely. Um, so I had an older cousin that I was named after, named Terry as well, obviously. And um, he used to bring home these tapes from the warehouse and the, and the power plant. Mm. And so what was intriguing me was listening to the tapes that he would bring home with all this disco music on it was the same records that my grandparents used to play in the house, but what intrigued me was that how these records were just seamlessly coming in and out of one another, mm-hmm. one beat. And I was like, man, how are they doing that? Like, what, what is going on? And so that's what really got me into DJing. And so once I kind of figured out fast forward that, you know, this guy was actually DJing and was hot mixing the records, mm-hmm. I had kind of a head start because my grandfather owned a tavern on the west side of Chicago. Okay. And he wasn't a DJ, but he used to just play records at okay. the tavern with people. Okay. So I had a jump start because I had all those records that I was in mm. from him buying and playing them at his time. So right. it kind of went, you know, from there. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And what age were you when you kind of started to notice how music was impacting you? Absolutely. So I was probably between 11 and 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Very young age. I was really into it at 10, but I was kind of like by the, by the age of 12, I was kind of really into it at that time and seeking the music out and really hitting my cousin up for records and what freaking is this and trying to get information and then I started venturing off going to record stores and you know kind of looking and digging for stuff that I used to hear my cousin play and then of course after that the radio came and you know BMX and college stations KKC was very impactful at that time. Wow wow when was the when was the first time you started to DJ Terry? When was the first time you put the needle to the record? Wow. Um this had to be eighty three. Okay. I believe my cousin had a birthday party in her basement. Mm. And um a friend of ours, friend of the family, Brett Morrison, DJ out of Chicago, he actually taught me how to spin and he came to me, you know, he DJ the party. And um, he had set up mixer turntables, whatever. And I was like, I want to give it a try. Okay. And he actually let me try to put a record on the turntable. <laughs> he tried to fix it. And of course, it was terrible. <laughs> but that right there, that feeling I got from touching the record, putting the needle on the record, and kind of like back spinning it. Ooh. I was, this is what I want to do. And <laughs> from, from then, I remember going home and telling my, uh, my grandparents, I knew what I wanted for my birthday. And it was a mixer. Mm. And it's what kind of led me off to that next stage yeah. of thinking out. 
Yeah. How old were you when you did that, Terry? Third, that, that part of your baby. I, I, it, so it was 82, 83, I believe. So 12 or 13. Wow. Yeah. That's, a, that's the right age. That's when music Absolutely. tends to get you right around that age because that, now you can kind of take things into your own hands and make some yeah. decisions and make some moves. What was that record you tried to play that night? What, how, you remember? Listen, I cannot remember, but I know it was two disco records. <laughs> and it's even though to this day, if you try to hop it, two disco records, yeah. if you don't know those records and those phrases, it ain't happening. It's not happening. So, it was a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, but I got the enjoyment of it. Man, you know, Terry, that's pretty unique to come out of the gate initially wanting to mix disco. Because being from the Midwest and being so close to Detroit and just the sounds that were going on, it was poor, it was more of a soulful R&B yeah. type of thing. You know, you figured you might want to come out with that. Hip-hop had already kind of emerged. So, you know, yeah. you didn't go down that avenue. So, disco is pretty unique because disco was kind of finding its way out the door, right? Mid-80s kind of sort of. So, you was yeah. catching it right as, you know. So, now yeah. I guess you're touching as, as it's declining. So, you're touching the, the Donna Summers, the yeah. maybe, you know, the a little. Nose yeah, yeah. Right. A little Gloria Gaynor, probably. A little, a little Gaynor yeah. there. Wow. Yeah. So you picked a hard lane to get in to try to swim in. Yeah, but you know, also you had, in that time, you had a lot of Chicago house tracks that okay. were being born as well. And so the electronic side was definitely coming in. So it was a good, for me, a good mix of both. The mm -hmm. disco and then the tracks, as we called them back then, that you, we used to play. And a lot of us used to make tracks in our basement. Mm -hmm. This was before I even started producing but you would just play at the parties that were really popular at the parties. So it was a combination for me of both. Right, right, right. And so now you got you got the love, you got the bug. You spending your time getting this music at record stores and such in Chicago. You practicing mm -hmm. all the time now with the mixer. Grandma and yeah. granddad got us the mixer, so we mixing now? So listen, we mixing now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they came home and got me. You know, my they was obviously my grandparents were very supportive. Mm -hmm. uh, so I got the mix. I got my first mix. It was a Gemini mixer. Okay. And um, didn't know I had to have two turntables. Okay, sir. Come on and help us. Yeah. So, <laughs> with that, we got the mix. So my grandfather told me, he said, well, you want to be a DJ? Then you got to save up your own money. Okay. You get a turntable. Mm -hmm. So me, I'm asking the family. I went and got, found two old turntables. One was in the house. These wasn't the DJ kind of turntable. These were the turntables where your grandparents and your parents would put the record on <laughs> and the spindle would go down and then you put the needle on the record. Yes. So yes. me being creative, uh. I took the little steel part out Ooh. and I kind of measured and figured out that that was kind of like the same size of a pencil. So okay. I wouldn't always used to have to push the thing in right. and put the record down. I'm really telling my age right now because a lot of these young people that's probably listening like, what? Is he talking about. about? You know, and so I got a pencil, put the pencils in, and so I was able to put the records on the turntables. But it's funny, um, a few records that I found, the B sides or whatever sides that I played a lot, the opposite side will have all these pencil markings. On no, it I'm trying to put the records down. So 
Mind you, they didn't have a pitch control. Mm. So I was just playing one record after another. And eventually I saved up and got some turntables and I was off. Man, man. So even with that, Terry, you know, the ingenuity is just coming right out because you're like, man, I'm going to make this work with this one turntable that your grandparents gave you. But even with that, at that time, you was just practicing, just falling in love with the music, where the beats were, how to really blend it in, how to come in and out of it. Right. Am I right? At that time, learning the breaks of the record. Yeah. Back then, every record had a break. So you used to come in and you know, you had to make sure you hit them points with those breaks. So I spent a lot of time just listening and studying yeah. records, like even to the point where um, noticing that, you know, with Brett, I remember him telling me like, man, this is a, a live drummer. Like when you mix some disco records, you got to know and listen to possibly when the band is slowing down just mm. a little bit, mm. speeding up. And mm. so it was certain records that I knew exactly when they slowed down yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I'll be able to take that pitch and bring it down to try to keep it on beat. So. It was it was it was a different time then, and it was definitely fun and creative, and a lot of studying going on. Yeah, yeah, because disco. One thing about it, like it or not, I like disco. But it was back then. It could be a big performance, if you will, because it yes. was strings, it was horns, it was keyboards, it was bass. It was a big deal. Then yes. you had an awesome vocalist singing, and and you had those crescendos in the music with disco. Absolutely. You know, it go up, it go down, it go loud, and so you had to learn. And then you're tr- you you know still kind of young and getting at it. You're still yes. trying to figure out what are the good points that the dancers would want to hear. Yes. you know, and yes. pull that piece out so you were doing a lot at that age just trying to get this whole thing together and loving every minute of it a whole lot and see what was my 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 point of really knowing in between all of that is i remember as a kid my cousin he had to babysit me obviously one day Mm -hmm. um terry and he wanted to go to this party so in chicago we have um of course lakeshore drive which is where the beaches and the lakefront is yeah and Frankie Knuckles did a party, mm. um, and they used to call this area Belmont Rocks. Mm. And so I remember him taking me, and Frankie was spinning, and I'm sitting there, and it's, you know, maybe three, four in the afternoon, and I'm like, oh, how does this man have this much control mm. over all these people? Right. And again, he's playing the records that I hear my grandparents play in the house. Right. Every day. Right. Making them sound like one record from the tapes that I used to hear from mm-hmm, my cousin Terry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was just sitting back as a kid. You got that, that bug hit me. And I was just like, whoa. Wow. Like, yeah. People are yelling and screaming. You got to understand, you're talking about 83, 82. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing people screaming mm-hmm. this man's name. Mm-hmm. And so that was it. You know, once I felt that and saw that live. Yeah. I knew that's exactly what I wanted wow. to be. And it was nothing that was going to stop me wow. from doing. Wow. Wow. And that's a powerful thing because oftentimes, sometimes we don't know what it is we're supposed to do, you Absolutely. know, and then when it hits you like that for like on a, like a ton of bricks and then you're committed yes. to it at a, a young age and you become unstoppable. That's, yeah. that's where legends are made of. That's where we separate the men from the boys. Cause now, now, now you're on your way. So now you saw, um, and you know, we celebrating Frankie Knuckles' birthday too. So, you know, Absolutely. um, 
Hats off to Frankie. Uh, without him, happy we wouldn't birthday. be here. Definitely. You know, happy birthday to Frankie. Um, all of us house heads that love him so much and still miss him. So you being able to witness him at that young age. So what happens now, T? You come back, you re-up, you got to get some more equipment, you get some more records. You like, yo, I got to do this. How does he do this? Yes, I, and that's exactly what happened. I really started um, getting into buying records every every time I did. Whatever I had to do, I didn't, in summers, I didn't go out. I mm. practiced. I did whatever little crazy job to earn enough to even buy me one record. Wow. I didn't care what I had to do. And um, I just spent my summers practicing. So by this time, when I went to high school, mm. um, I found some like-minded friends. Right. And, um, you know, we connected through music. There were DJs. And then from that, and me being in high school was the first time I was able to witness Ron Hardy. Mm. Um, at the music box. Yes. And so when I went and saw him, there we snuck in the club. We got in. He was <laughs> underage. And that was also a life-changing thing for wow. me. Experiencing and hearing him at a very young age as a teenager. Uh-huh. And um, I said, that's it, man. This is what we need to do. And mm. so he was trying to, you know, do all the high school parties. Okay. There were local, like, um, high school fraternities at that time in okay. Chicago. Okay. And they used to throw these parties and I was actually in one of them. Mm-hmm. And I started off doing all the high school parties. Really? I went to a popular high school, shout out to High Park, class of 88. Mm-hmm. And we just went on. High schools was the thing. Man. We was doing the biggest parties in the city. Wow. We we, we, we hit all the pretty girls at our parties. Of so course. Of course. You know, where the girls, where the guys were. Oh, okay. That's what happened, and that's how I eventually started becoming a DJ mm. and getting popular in the city of Chicago. Man, doing the high school circuit with Ron, just doing. Well, not, I wasn't doing it much later into Ron, but it was me going, hearing him at the music Got you, got you. Yeah, but actually, when I got my weight up a few years later, when I got about 18, 19, then I started doing parties with him, you know, and then it went from me going into the clubs mm. and. It was it was it was beautiful. And set the scene set the scene for us, uh, Terry. When you were doing high school, they were like losing their minds, screaming your name. We're like, what was uh, what was the yeah. energy like? It was amazing. I remember um, a couple of times um, doing high school parties because I went to one school, Dunbar, uh, for a year and a half, which is a popular school in Chicago. But mm-hmm. I transferred mm-hmm. and went to a school called High Park. Um, and I was a very popular school at that time. So I was doing all of the, the homecomings and stuff there. So what happened is we was throwing little parties. I went back to my aunt's house. She let me throw some parties in her basement <laughs> because basement parties was big then. Yeah. And they started getting a little out of control because the whole school and then their friends will be coming on my aunt's block with these house parties. And Ooh. so local promoters was like, who is this kid bringing all these people out? We need right. to bring him. And our team parties that we having at the club, right. so he can bring this crowd with him. Right. And it eventually started with the promoters getting at me. One of the first was Marvin Terry, and mm-hmm. then right after that, um, John Hunt, Gucci Promotions. It was a big athletic club, okay. and this this party was so legendary. Gucci Promotions used to do it at the High Park Athletic Club in Chicago, and it was a place where people worked out, and they would let him rent these rent the space out. And just imagine 3,000 kids. They mm. filled up like maybe one, two, three, four. It was like maybe six, maybe wrong, four to six tennis courts mm. packed. Oh my gosh. And they used to do the parties every month. So that then took me 
to the next level Ooh. because now everybody is hiring me and now I'm down with, with Gucci promotions mm. and doing these parties at the high part record ball club in Chicago, which was very legendary at that time. And, um, that took me on my, you know, my next level of, of DJing. Wow. So the, the music that you played at the high school parties, was it still disco or were you kind of doing your own little blends, putting your own yeah. little kind of touches on the records? Tell me a little bit about that, Terry. Yeah, it was definitely, it was a combination of both. It was disco, and mm. at that time, a lot of the Chicago house stuff was coming through. Okay. The Finger stuff. Yes. Marshall Jackson, Move Your Body, Chip right. e, DJ Pierre, Farley mm. stuff. Yeah. Um, Jamie Principal, of course, mm-hmm. Steve Early. Like, all of those records were in high demand. And mm. again, making your own tracks, you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. I remember years ago, I said, I got to figure out a way to separate myself, because we were still using tape decks that had pitch controls and reels. You're telling on yourself, Terry. Yeah, man. So we had to (laughs) separate ourselves from from the next DJ. Like, we had to have something that we knew Mm -hmm. the the, the next DJ or the DJ before us didn't have. And so that's how I got into producing. Okay. So I remember one day, um, this was a time where this little house music history, um, Marshall Jefferson and mm. Mike Dunn mm. lived in the same apartment and they had a studio no. in the basement. And so I called Mike up. I was like, yo, I want to come through. I was like, listen, man, I need you to make me a track. I need you to make me a track. And he was like, what you want to do? I said, I don't know. I just want a track with my name on. He was like, all right, come over. So Mike hooked up this track and it was crazy. I wish I still had a copy of it. Oof. And so he was like, yo, go to the microphone. He was like, just say your name. I'm like, all right. I was like, Terry Hunter. This was when sampling was just really starting to come out. It was right. only a few seconds of sample time. And then this track is going, got the 303 acid going. Terry 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 And Mike gave me the track, and that was my signature track for a few years that people just knew I was going to play. And that also separated us. So Mike... And uh, I got a big big shout to my man, Kenny Jordan, was kind of very influential in me wanted to be a producer. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. Man. Big ups to Mike Dunn. Man. Big ups to Mike Dunn for doing that. Big ups to my brother. Yeah. 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 So you separated yourself at that point. And so now you're DJing. You got promoters. They got behind you. They pushing you, yes. promoting you. You tan up the city. You doing the disco music. You playing house music from all the yes. local cats that's putting it out there. So you, you're just a man. Now you're learning to do production. Yes. You're producing your own little stuff on the side as well. Just having that little, you know, piece of something that's uh, special and different, separating you from everybody else. At this yeah. time, Terry, are you touring the country or just really keeping no. it in Chicago? This was just yeah, right there. Yeah, right now, I'm only in Chicago. So from from that, with Mike doing that track, uh, Armando Gallup, um, rest in peace. Uh, we were all like family. So mm-hmm. when I did the, the the Gucci promotions things, what was very known in Chicago, um, myself, Steve Poindexter. And a good friend of ours, Brian Harris, we wanted to kind of venture off at that time uh, from doing parties with Gucci. And we started our own uh, okay. DJ crew up called Chicago Bad Boys. Okay. And so, again, it was, you know, Steve uh, Point Dexter that made Work That MF and a whole short circuit, a whole bunch of other tracks. Um, I went to my friend Kenny Jordan uh, and made 
my first track in mm. his basement. Mm. And so that became now my next signature thing is that yeah. I'm making my own track. Yeah. And so Armando had a label, a record label, and um, warehouse records and music records. And the track was becoming so popular for me playing. And Armando was like, man, let me, let me put this out. Let me put this out. And I'm like, of course. So other house music history, mm, in between that, Ron Trent, we were all kids. Ron had altered states um, that he had made that was floating around. Okay. And so I actually went to Amanda and was like, look, man, let's put out my record and let's put out Ron Trent's record. And so we did the deal. I hooked, um, what we all knew each other. I didn't hook Amanda up with Ron, but I remember us going to Ron's house as kids and explaining to his mother about the contract that we're going to put out a record, blah, blah, blah. And of course, you know, we got screwed from the record because Amando was getting screwed from the distributor. Ah. But, you know, what's having sent because those records went on to take off Alter States for Ron Trent was huge. And, yeah. Uh, Madness was my first record with him. Mm. That is what got me to start touring in Europe. And that was around 89, 90. Nice. Nice. Yes. And what was the first country you hit in Europe? Was it London? Yes. My actually, my very first country I went to was London, and I was nineteen years old. Nice. That's a yeah. mind blowing experience. So now, check check it out where you've come from. So, coming from Chicago, the city of Chicago had its bad spaces, some good spaces. Yeah. You got some gang violence, some other things going along. You you tipping in some trouble. Your grandparents was like, nope, not on our watch. We got right. you. Absolutely. And then you fall in love. You hear this music. You really starting to pay attention to this music. You seeing these icons, these people doing these things. And lo and behold, at 19, you yeah. traveling. You making Absolutely. music. You making blowing music. up parties. And now Absolutely. you in London. Absolutely. And how did they receive you in London, Terry? How did that feel at 19? What was the vibe like there? It was, it was, I, I can't even explain because you got to understand coming from Chicago. Yes. You know, doing our own parties. We're in the streets. We're making stuff happen. So, you know, of course, Chicago people know we had this arrogance about us. You mm. know what I mean? So you feel it like you got it. When you go somewhere else, you got to make sure people know you from Chicago. Okay. Okay. Talk this swag little okay. thing that they say not happening. <laughs> but I was scared as I don't know what. <laughs> so, <laughs> they driving on the wrong side. side. <laughs> the wrong side of the road. They yeah. got this accent. Yeah. I'm trying to be tough. And I'm like, what is going on? What is going on? But the, um, the great thing about it, how I felt comfortable, was a, a childhood friend of mine by the name of Dana Down. Mm. He's actually still in London today. He was writing me letters. This is before emails and was sending me <laughs> magazines and charts saying, bro, your record is number one. Wow. It's on the radio. Like, they wow. love you. You the man over here. And I'm like, what? So then, you know, three, four weeks later, he's sending me copies of the magazines and, mm. you know, cassettes of them announcing and playing the record nice. on the radio. He was like, I know this guy over here by the name of Jeremy Newell. He works at a record store. He was like, man, we can fly you over here. And then once you stay over here for like about a week or two, you know, we can get you gigs. Yeah. And I'm like, man, that's dope. <laughs> so they flew me over. Yeah. And I went to London and I was supposed to stay like maybe 10 days and end up staying like a month in two weeks. Really? Wow. Yeah. It, it, it went from there. I stayed like a month, two weeks. And, and. 
it 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 that was it. That 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 was it. it. That was started at nineteen. At nineteen. Nineteen. And and that's typically what happens here. You know that the music, anything that we typically do here in the States blows up uh, worldwide. We just don't right. always know about it. You know, we get the information secondhand. You know, shouts out to your man that was able to tell you what was going on, show you the evidence, show you that you're charting over there, show you that yeah. you're being played over there. So that's the demand. And that's what we always say when I talk to um, DJs. It's That's the thing that kind of separates you as a DJ is when you're starting to produce music. Because that's yes. when people want you. Because they feel like, and it's not a diss, it's just what it is. They feel like, oh, you know, anybody could DJ. He's a good. Right. But what Absolutely. separates you is the music and the kind right. of music that you put out there and the way people respond to it. So now you're out there, which was supposed to be about a week. You're doing like a six week tour now in, in London. You're just, just, Absolutely. just killing it now. So now were the venues, Terry, were they small or just midsize? What was it like when you stepped in the spot? Like, so the first, um, club I ever played at, it was a venue well, it was it was a huge club called Heaven okay. in London. Okay. And everybody in London knows it, but they had another smaller part to the club, which was called Strictly Rhythm. Mm. And Strictly Rhythm, that was the actual first club I ever played at. And so this club was probably it was four hundred people, maybe. Oh, wow, that's good. Uh, yeah, when I did it. And so mm -hmm. Heaven though, the main club was probably like, you know, cause those were the days of the big rooms, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So they probably had two, three thousand people on there. But obviously the music was 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 different. Mm. It wasn't um the house that we know and, and like it was more commercial and okay. whatever was going on at that time. Okay. And um I just went from there and then that one booking got me another booking mm -hmm. in London. And then and um it just kept it just kept going on and going on and going on and I find myself up and down the country. Right. Um, and that just really sparked me when I left out of London to come back mm -hmm. to then I got to make more records. Yeah. <laughs> and then that next chapter. Yeah. Yeah. You, you busting up some chapters in your book, Terry, even before you turned 21, 25 oh, years old, you had some milestones already carved out. So now you come back from London, like you got this yeah. energy on you, man. So now you back, you on the home court, you really feeling the way. You was like, yeah. yo, I went to London, I represented the shy, you know, I, I played my music, they loved it, now I got work to do. So now Absolutely. you home and you just really going in now. Absolutely. And so when I came back, um, Obviously, at that time, I remember coming back telling Ron Trent, like, yo, our records is huge over there. Mm -hmm. I knew that there was an issue. Um, I'm going to Armando, like, man, this is not right. You know, the record stores are telling me that, yo, here's the record. And the record got licensed to this. So understand, I knew nothing about publishing. Uh, I was just a kid that made a track in right. my friend's basement. Right. And I'm seeing this record on different labels. And I'm like, I gave this record to Amondo. Right. It's supposed to be on this label. And then I'm seeing publishing companies, you know, names on there that mm. had nothing to do with the record. Right. And so me, I'm like, wait a minute. So again, the street side of me, mm -hmm. you know, Amondo was like a brother. I went to him and he didn't have no answers. So 
Uh, let's just say a few of us went up to um, ooh, ooh. the distributors ooh, ooh. and asked them what's going on. And his name, rest in peace, uh, Brett Wilcox, Gherkin Distributions. He was saying, well, I did this and this and that. So long and short, um, we moved on from that situation. A friend of mine that I had met that was, because um, I was probably at this time in Chicago by the name of Aaron Smith, mm. he was kind of stalking me. Mm. And uh, he made tracks and played keyboards and, you know, every time I was in front of my house, he would be at my house trying to give me a tape and mm. blah, blah, blah. So <laughs> we, uh, I called Ron in because me and Ron was like, we need to do something together. And I'm like, well, Ron, this is Aaron. Let's try to do something. So we formed this group in the early 90s called UBQ Project. Okay. And uh, it was myself, uh, Ron Trent, Aaron Smith. And at that time, um, just through, you know, your travels in the city of Chicago, I met Georgie Porgy and I always knew uh, the fame Eleanor, Rick Lenore, Larry Thompson, they was doing their thing mm-hmm. and also Gary Wallace and so they had a company that was all of them together it was called Mirage Entertainment mm-hmm. and I remember George bringing me in saying man we want to put a record out so me, Ron and Aaron go do a record called Into the Night and we put it out on Gary Wallace's label called House in Effect so nice. that was actually my second record Nice. And then that record did great. And then Ron ventured off to do his own thing. Mm-hmm. And me and Aaron Smith stayed together for years. And that also kept me traveling because we had a bunch of hits under UBQ Project. Nice. Um, with Mirage Entertainment, the House of, House and Effect Records, Gary Wallace's label. Mm-hmm. And then that let me start touring even more. So now I'm going to Italy, Switzerland, Paris, nice. Germany, Getting your weight up for real with traveling and doing all of that stuff. Yeah, shouts out to Gary Wallace, man. Connecting these dots, too. Still out here being relevant in the music industry. So thank you, Gary, for doing this and and, uh, supporting you with your uh, on the record label back in the day. So now you're traveling and doing all this and making music and having a good time. Now I'm going to bring it back to the show. I kind of want people to understand and know, when did you kind of meet or connect with the iconic Chosen Few DJs in Chicago. When did that happen? How did that happen? So that was years and years after, let's say, this was 90, so let's skip 15 years, 14 years maybe. Okay. 15 years, so, you know, we were all good friends, and at that time, Chosen Few was just doing parties. It was known that, you know, Chosen Few was going to be behind the, the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that was a popular place. And yeah. so, you know, people was just going over there and it just started out as a small picnic. And um, every year was getting more popular, more popular. And at this time, you know, I'm off. Um, we kind of folded the Mirage entertainment situation. Mm-hmm. I kind of went with, with, with Georgie Porgy and formed a company with Maurice Joshua at the time, Vibe Music. So mm. that led me into remixing a lot of the stuff that Maurice gotcha. was getting in and mm-hmm. was putting out records through Vibe and then mm-hmm. which turned into Music Plant. So now I'm off, I'm going, making records, traveling the world mm-hmm. and um, remixing major artists and mm-hmm. all of that. So 15 years later, you know, again, every, Tony Hatchett, Andre Hatchett, Wayne Williams, Allen, Jesse, we are all, you know, friends. Right. Of course, because we are fellow DJs from Chicago. And, um, at this time, I'm really doing my thing in, 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 in traveling. And, you know, Wayne came to me and was like, man, we want to get you 
than the chosen few. Mm-hmm. And when I joined the chosen few, it was still, you know, behind the museum. And when they brought me in and inducted me into the chosen few, it was funny that 4th of July, I actually couldn't make it because yeah. I had a gig in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> so it was one of those things where I was like, look, man, I, I want to be that so bad, but I got this tour going on. I yeah. got to go get this opportunity and this money. Yeah. So of course they, they understood. And then the following year is, you know, that's when the picnic took a turn. It mm. went from, I can't, I'm just throwing out fake numbers, so don't quote me. But right. say if it was 500 people, the next year it was 1,500. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then the next year it was 2,500 people. Mm-hmm. And it just was growing and growing cool. and growing. So I, I got involved with the Chosen Few around 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. And we just took it all over the world to this day. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I've gone to the festival a couple of times, and yeah. I'm, like, right there on the fence, like, right there right, on the front, because right. I got to see everything. You know, the chief, everybody. I got to be right. Yeah. I got to feel. I can hear. Let me tell you something. Sometimes when Mike play, I can hear the crackling on the right, on, yeah. on the record. You know, I just got to. Yeah. I got to be that close. The energy, for those that have not been, is just incredible the mere fact that you guys got the street named after you guys out there and the it's seas of beautiful people i mean it just goes way 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 back and it's very organized the sound is incredible the big monitors you know you guys got a tight schedule everybody knows when people are going to play and I'm just yes. like, man, I know these guys. And it's just, and I think we all feel that way in the park. I don't think yes. anybody feels like we don't know you guys. It feels like right. we're at a big barbecue or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, our, our locals are playing. That's how, that's the energy you get in the crowd. And yeah. they feel like that there's no other place they want to be that day, but that day with you guys, you know? Absolutely. And while that's the, beauty, the, the, the beautiful part about it, I think is like you said, is, it's a big family. Yes. Thing, you know what I mean? We all worked hard at it. Like everybody has their own job. You know, shout to Wayne Williams, shout to Alan. Yes. King, Mike Dunn, Tony, Jess. It, it, we all do our part. Yes. Um, and that's what, what, what is so great about it. And we grew that without, and there's no disrespect, um, because I've made my career off of being guests at other people's events, mm-hmm. but we are proud to say that we grew this event mm-hmm. to, what has become mm-hmm. all for just our local talent. And of mm-hmm. course we have guests and we, 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 we are openly going to keep inviting guests. Right. And it's great to do that. But those people come from the event and for the chosen few DJs. Yeah, so they do. that's what we're most proud of. They do. And you know, what's good being in the crowd, Terry, is that I hear people's, original stories, their own stories. I remember when I saw Terry play the first time I heard him play. I remember when Alan played over here. I remember when Wayne was doing this and he killed the place, you know, so you hear the locals just take pride in like seeing you guys take the stage and do this. And it's almost like giving back to the community. You know, it's like, Hey guys, you know, thank you for supporting us for all these years. Now it's our turn to serve you guys as one big happy family. 
family on the fourth. And so I, I tip my hat to you guys every year for doing that. The sponsor list is incredible because it's a business. So it it shows us that we could do what we love to do and monetize off of it, make it a business. And I think the key on that, um, Terry is just the organization. You guys are putting out a good product, right? So people want to be behind that. So you got the Garrett's popcorn, you got the Budweiser, you got, you know, you got different people, big heavyweights, um, nationally, not just in Chicago, but around the globe supporting you guys. And so to see that up, see your names up, see those sponsors, getting the the t-shirts and all the products and the merchandise. It's an awesome day in the park, man. I just tip my hat off to you guys doing that year after year. Terry, I want to ask you which one you've worked with a lot of different artists. Can you share Mm -hmm. some of the artists you've worked with over the past couple of years? Um, Some of the heavies, some of the heavies. Yeah, it's, it's so so recently I would have to say I'm going to well, one I got the big shout out to Jennifer Hudson. Yes. Um, a Grammy nominated. Yes. It's your world that I Yes. <laughs> uh with Wayne Williams. Also, um I would have to say I'm most happy that um I was able to do some stuff with Jill Scott. Nice. But not only work with Jill Scott, but have it come out through Tease Box Records. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when we did the deal with that, Sean G shot to him, got it Wayne and Wayne puts together. And I had, you know, met Jill several times through Jazzy Jeff and, you know, our relationship. Yes. And it was it was kind of a, a great fit. And it went from me doing one song to four songs nice. and then releasing that. Mm-hmm. And so that was fun. I've also worked closely with the stale that yeah. came through Tease Box. Um, I just did something that was a huge record. It's still in the charts uh, with Tamia. Nice. Uh, yes. Smokely. Yes. That's hot. <laughs> so, you know, I don't like the name drop, but there's been a lot of artists that I'm most proud of. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, you know, just from the major, there's been a lot of major artists that as well, but I would just have to put it back to that to see these big artists want to come and work with a label like us. Yes. Chicago, mm-hmm. Tease Box Records and have that music come through that funnel instead mm-hmm. of going the major label because right. a lot of times those records get you know lost yeah so yeah I'm proud of those that's and that's good work terry because yeah your records are getting played everywhere all the time you know when you go in different clubs different spots on internet yes. radio people are playing you i want to ask you how long has t's box records been in existence it's been a few years yes. right t yes yes the first record came out t's box records and i need to punch myself in the face i should know this it was the first time that we did the label i believe was 2000 in four, really? That yeah, far back? Out. I thought it was more like 2016 ish, but it's been around really? for a while. No, 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 no. Okay. 2016, no, yeah. No, we've had, um, I mean, 26, because you got to look at It's Your World came out in 2014 or 15. That's and right. I was able to release that. That's right. On my label first as well. That's so, right. Yeah, we've had records. I did records with Jazzy Jeff and Glenn Lewis and. Mm. Um, a lot of different records. So, yeah, no, so like 2004, 2005. Okay, that's good. Is when we started Tease Box. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So you've yeah. been putting through some artists through that 
through that rec- your record label. So that's good. Oh, absolutely. Which yes. is wh- th- which is what is it, how it's supposed to be. It only makes yes. sense because you've paid your dues absolutely. by working with other people coming up. Now you know the craft enough that you you should be able to put some good product out, which you oh, have yeah. been doing. Oh yeah, you have been doing. So now it's it's 2019. Can you tell us what's in the pipeline? Like, any, can you share any secrets on who you gonna oh, work yeah. with next absolutely. or no? Yes, absolutely. I'm, 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 I'm excited. Um, we have a, I can say, uh, with courage that we have a super, super, super dope team. Uh-huh. Um, a team's box records. You got myself, um, Mike Dunn, mm. Wayne Williams is also putting out records and he's also the a and label. Nice. Um, Gary Wallace. Nice. My brother, DJ Immaculate. He's doing a lot of incredible things with the label and producing. He's he's not new to the game, but mm-hmm. he's getting his feet wet mm-hmm. with um, the house music side. So he's working on EPs. And Gary just signed a, a dope record out of South Africa that we just put out. And we're putting out more stuff from that. We're working with Rick Lenore. Um, I got an album that I'm just super, super excited about that's coming uh, second quarter this year. Mm. The, the title of the album is Imagine No Music. Mm-hmm. Um, I dropped the first single from the album in November with the queen, Miss Barbara Tucker, mm-hmm. called Holding On. <laughs> and that record did really, really well. So I want to kind of put out maybe another single before we get into the album. Right. The album is, that's our focus right now is finishing up this Terry Hunter Imagine No Music album. Mm-hmm. Um, I can say I have Raheem Devon on the album. Nice. I have Estelle on the album. I have nice. my sister, Shantae Savage, that I'm excited for people to hear those songs. Yeah. And of course, me and Teresa Griffin has uh, an amazing record. Mm. And we're also doing a project uh, EP with Teresa and also an EP dropping on Shantae Savage as well. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, she's the house here, but she's getting back to her R&B roots. Again. Yeah. She's got so a nice voice. A lot of stuff mm-hmm. coming that I'm excited about. Nice. Yeah. Shantae's got a nice voice. She put out a single or some music out last year. Year yes. before it was good. It was well received. We liked yeah. it. People were dancing to it. So very nice. Nice. Tease box got some nice yes. people in the box, man. We, we, we got some people in the box. <laughs> You got some talented people. It's going to be some hotness going on, man. I want to stay close to that. I need one of those shirts. That's what I need. Can you see it? Yeah, I see. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Yeah, you flexing on us with the tease box over there. I need one of those in in a medium, please, and thank you. I'm going to get at you. We get the shirts coming in in the next couple weeks. But you got to promise me one thing. You're going to wear it on the show. Yeah, I'm going to wear it. I'll wear it. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'll wear it on the show. I'll definitely wear it. And I'm going to wear it on the upcoming cruise too. So give it to me so there I can wear are. it on the Tribe Tambor cruise. So you Absolutely. know, you know what Absolutely. it is. You know how we're going to get down on that thing. Oh, yes. It's going to be disgusting in a good kind of way. It is. So we're going to have it a good time. We're going to have a good time. Terry, you've touched and impacted a lot of people with your music. I mean, you're doing a lot of work. This is legendary work, Terry. This is Thank legendary you. work. Everybody can say that they've been able to DJ and produce and travel. And guess what? You're still going. I'm looking at yep. you. You looking healthy, fit as a fiddle. Yes. 
Uh, yeah. Like you, you got some more years in you. I see your creative yeah, wheels. I ain't going nowhere. Yeah, I see them wheels just spinning. I mean, it, there's really such an opportunity here, and I want to thank you for helping. As people like yourself, you and Wayne, the way you guys produce music, you're helping to bridge the gap, really, because you're helping Absolutely. to put the genre of music that we love so much in the mainstream. You know, getting yeah. Grammy nominations and getting people to recognize this genre of music, man. We we can't we can't belittle that. So for that I say thank you. Thank no, you for thank doing that you, work. God. Thank you. Thank you for doing that body of work. So what do you got next? I mean, you got people coming on, you got things going on, you got an album coming up this year. How can people find you, Terry? How can they find you? Or I'm on social media everywhere from Instagram and Facebook at DJ Terry Hunter. Website TerryHunterMusic.com will be launching in two weeks so mm. that's where people can go find a tease box shirt we've been we shut the website down to kind of revamp it and um i'm looking forward to just touring again you yeah. know what i mean like i'm always doing spot dates but we're really going to tour and promote this album um got a lot of festivals coming up in the summer i'm looking forward to the uh the tambour and try mm-hmm. cruise. yeah like, man like you just said i'm looking forward to that and also July 6th, July 6th, <laughs> Chelsea Few DJ that's Festival. That's it. That's so it. I'm, I'm just looking forward to touring, bringing the music to the people, and, and staying in this studio and making good music, and, and hopefully everybody continues to support it, man. Yeah, they will. We will. Are there any artists, Terry, that you want to work with that you haven't already? Is you anybody know, in mind? I had a wish list. You know, it's it's... A couple of things that's happened that I'm, I'm excited about, and I want to give a shameless plug. Shout out to my brother, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Mm-hmm. He is doing some amazing, yeah. inspiring things. Yeah. Um, he does this thing called Playlist Sessions, mm-hmm. and he also does a retreat. And what's so dope and inspiring about that is that how he was able to bring people that he has relationships and not only relationships with people that he respected and admired and bring all these people together from different genres, from yeah. musicians to songwriters, yeah. to artists, to producers, to DJs, all together. And it's like a close family right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, relationships that we all have that we would not have had. And we're connecting through music. Nice. And um, growing from there and entering each other's world and cross-promoting what we do. So shout to him. We just was in uh, Delaware and Philadelphia last week working on um, an artist being on the Watch Out, Moo Moo Fresh. She's mm. amazing. Mm. And also, I forgot to add, through that situation, you know, I got, um, I met, known him for years, though, but me and James Poiser from the Roots keyboard player to nice. see on Jimmy Fallon. Nice. We are doing a project that's coming out in two Ooh. months as well. So it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff. So I'm excited about a lot of stuff that's mm. going on. But I would have to say my wish list to answer your question, one of my favorites most have have, have gone on um, that, that I'm, I won't be able to work with. But right now, one of my favorite singers, and I think she's been so underrated yeah. a whole career, uh-huh. is that I would love to just walk in the studio with nothing and start something and finish it from the ground up is Martha Wash. Wow. She, is one of my absolute Man. favorites back from Two Tons of Fun. Yes. <laughs> and um, she got snubbed on a lot of records that yeah, her voice she did. was on. Yeah, she did. And 
she, if, if anybody that's out there that know Martha, that listen, I need to see her. I think that I can get a record done with her and where she's touring all over and yeah. she will receive all the credit, all yeah. the writing credit, yeah. all the money deserved yeah. to her. So that's one of my wishes that I'll actually want to attack this year to make that happen. Yeah, let's so, make it happen. I think you got yeah. the team that's working with you in Tease Box to make Absolutely. that happen. I, you got the Grammy nods. You got the yeah. body of work. It's just a matter of just reaching out to her people and <laughs> make that make that happen. But you think about the music you want her to start singing because that, you know, yeah. that voice we're talking Listen. about from the, from the 80s with Sylvester, yo. I mean, come Listen. on. Phenomenal Listen, that's voice. What I'm that's why I say I don't even want to think about it because the <laughs> thing of it is, 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 is imagine if you walking in a room and Whatever you feel is going on, yeah, into the music right then. That's mm. what I want to capture. Yeah, I don't want to capture me listening to something and say, "Oh, I did this track and got inspired." Let's start from the ground up and build. Let's bring that energy Man. together, and I think that will be amazing. Yeah, I, make her part of that. Yeah, project. I think you. I think you can get four or five tracks out of her. Easy, nice EP. We'll do four or five in a day. Yeah. Let me, let me have my way with it. Yeah. And then you're torn yeah. with that voice because she is a bad girl uh, and truly underrated. I'm glad you said that. That's a good yes. one. That's a Absolutely. very good one, Terry. You. Yes. And you know one I wish you could have done some work with because just because I love her is mm-hmm. the queen of soul. I just I would have envisioned you doing some work with Aretha Franklin. Um, just, yeah, because, you know, she was, uh, hold on, what you mean? <laughs> you don't know? <laughs> I did two records with her on No, her you did album. not. No. Yes. Go I look did. at her album. She did The Great Diva Sings the Classics. That was her last album. I got to work with Thank her. Thank you. Well, I'm good we now. We got an NAACP award for that. No. I did two songs off that album. It came out 2000. 16 awesome okay she 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 was performing it all of that we because she did a lot of covers that album was basically full of covers and i did um you mentioned earlier gloria Gaynor. yeah we redid i will survive yes and we also did um uh the supremes keep me hanging on so people that don't know that definitely go look aretha Fra- aretha franklin sings the great classics and i was able to work with her you on see her that? last album you see so, that yes, that was a name you were supposed to drop. That's the queen. But yeah. Oh, well, yeah. I, I thought, you know, I just kind of thought people knew. So, yeah. No, yeah, we yeah. can't. But you we can't. Work. No, you can't assume. Because, see, I, I look at me. And I'm pretty good about knowing stuff. Yes. And that one yes. slipped through my fingers. Now I got to go yes. research it, listen to it, hear the, yes. the Terry Hunter's touches on it. See, look at that. You worked yes. with a queen. That was a big thing right before she passed. It was um on my social media, which was incredible. I actually captured her because when we were doing the tracks, we worked directly with Clive mm. Davis and Aretha. And when we were doing Keep Me Hanging On, she was like, no, nah, baby, this keyboard line needs to go like this. Mm. And she, she was in Detroit and the engineer captured her playing the <laughs> piano on how she wow. wanted the piano to move. Wow. And what we did, he sent it back to me as an idea like, Yo, I was able to get the audio. She wants the line to go like this. And I'm sitting to myself like, this is a Rita plan. Yeah. Like, we're not going to replay that. We're going to use that. <laughs> and we actually used her playing yeah. the piano. So when you listen to it, everybody is listening. Go back 
check for Aretha's last album, and there's a piano breakdown. Mm. And keep me hanging on, and that's actually Aretha playing piano. Wow. But you got to understand, like, that was, I was done. Like, my life could have ended. And I'm, I was good. Because <laughs> yeah. she, was, she was a powerful singer. Um, I think for me personally, anytime I hear her play on the piano and sing some of her mm-hmm. original compositions or things that um, was written for her early on in her career, I would cry. Just because Absolutely. it was just a powerful... And shout out to, uh, to Kelly G. We have a record out that he found a rare snippet of a performance that she did mm. that a record that just came out actually on Friday called... Um, uh, uh, feels good. Nice. Yeah. And we sampled, he sampled actually her voice and the record was received well. And we just dropped remixes from Kelly G with myself. He did uh, more mixes and um, DJ Immaculate. So that's a great package mm-hmm. to where when you say, I would like to see you work with Aretha, that's kind of like the third thing nice. that I worked with something that, you know, had Aretha's voice on it. Nice. Nice. You're fortunate. You're fortunate. You're going to do you. some work with, uh, our other man that we love as much as you, Mr. Louis Vega. Oh yeah, that's my brother. We 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 always uh, go back and forth. So I plan on doing some stuff. He's been, you know, a great supporter of, of the records that we've done. Mm-hmm. Wayne has a new record out called No Mountain, and he's been playing that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, again, my single with Barbara Tucker. He just did his show that I heard over the weekend where he went back to back with the record. So definitely doing some work with him. I'm 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 gonna put it out there. Because we're really close friends. Um, my brother, Kenny Dope, as well. You know, we've done mm-hmm. an album together and a bunch of singles. So I think it's time for Masses at Work and Terry Hunter collaboration. So you hear first. put that out there. Yeah, you putting it out there. You hear a lot of firsts. You get some, some, some groundbreaking ideas and stuff on your show. <laughs> yes, they say, Terry, it has something to do with the host and that That's the host it. may have an ability to make the guests feel comfortable enough to share the yes. information. Don't give them all your secrets. Don't give them all your secrets. <laughs> but you are absolutely correct. Oh, thank you so much, Terry. Well, Terry, I want to thank you for your time today. This was wonderful, very informative. Um, just we got an opportunity to just get in touch with Terry. We had a conversation with Terry Hunter today. So tell the people again, how can they find you and reach out to you? Absolutely. You can hit me on all my social media outlets, uh, Terry Hunter uh, at Facebook, uh, Instagram at DJ Terry Hunter. Twitter at DJ Terry Hunter and coming soon two weeks. Be on the lookout for the website that's going to have all the merchandise on there, all the upcoming events, um, all the music, uh, everything. TerryHunterMusic.com mm-hmm. coming soon. All right. That sounds awesome. Thanks, Terry, for your time. I want to, I want to reach out to all the people. Thank you guys for listening. You know me where you can find me. Real Chicks Rock. We are everywhere we're on instagram we're on facebook we're on twitter we're on itunes yeah we are we're on iHeartRadio. we're on spotify we got the youtube channel listen when you take a minute to listen to our shows leave a comment send us some feedback that helps to rate the shows that moves us up gives us some more exposure be sure to subscribe to those channels to those platforms and if you're going to hit somebody in on their dm dm them with some of these conversations and some of these (laughs) interviews that I'm having. Let's spread some good information out here instead of some of the stuff that's going on. So that's my time for today. Thank you, Terry, for joining us. Until next time, you guys take care and continue to rock on.
Peace. Bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to RCR Presents Real Discussions. Until next time, you take care and continue to rock on.